I talked to a guy this morning who lives up in Dallas, and he invited 19 people and got 19 yeses. Amazing. Which I said, I never get that. I, My numbers don't. What are you doing? And, you know, this guy was older, and just the idea of him hosting it on a Tuesday or Wednesday night mm-hmm. was so special and so powerful. But really leaning into the idea that this is an event to make new friends because nobody teaches adults how to make new friends. What is up, my party people? You're listening to the Friendship Futurism Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about friendships in the 22nd century. I'm your host, Bill May. I'm really excited today to chat with Nick Gray. He's the best-selling author of The Two-Hour Cocktail Party, a book about building relationships by hosting successful parties. So to test out Nick's ideas, I hosted a party at my place with my friends using Nick's formula, and it went really well. Uh, You'll hear about it in more detail during the conversation. In this episode, you'll learn about how very experienced hosts think about creating amazing gatherings, as well as the tactics they use to put together incredible parties and how to keep the momentum going in a party, and how to reject someone you don't want to hang out with, and much, much more. Nick, I'm curious, um, would you have name tags at your wedding? I think I would have name tags at my wedding. That's a controversial thing. My sister had a wedding, and um, I went to it, and I helped her with it, and we did name tags at the dinner before, the day beforehand. And it was really helpful. I think it's really helpful to have name tags. At the actual ceremony, I don't know. Probably not at the actual (laughs) ceremony. Yeah, Yeah, when you do the vows. When when I do the vows and things. But I feel like at the party beforehand, the day before, for other events, what's the purpose of a wedding? People want their friends from various parts of their lives to mix up and meet each other. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, that's what many couples say. Wow, we really wanted our our friends and family to meet each other. Mm -hmm. So I I think name tags help for that. Yeah. So I guess I can give you some feedback on the party I hosted based on your book. Yeah, please. Um, because it was really cool. Uh, first of all, thank you for reaching out to me. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think it was the easiest party I have ever hosted in my life. Really? Uh, based on your formula. Interesting. I think because you just made it so easy for me to just copy-paste. Like, I like yeah. that you you provided these, like, pre-made scripts yes. for, like, exactly what to say to everyone. Yes. Um, and I literally just copy-pasted that to, like, the text messages to my friends. Really cool. <laughs> and it was, like, very easy uh, to gr- do the re- reach out. It, it felt like it wasn't even my party. It was just Nick already hosted my party, and I just had to execute. That's pretty neat. Um, so, so I think about it like the MVP. What's the minimum viable party? Mm-hmm. And I talk to people. For people like you who are experienced hosts, really hard for you to do the minimum viable party because you know how to make it big, but I think about how to make it as easy as possible for people. So that makes me, that's one of the best compliments I think I've gotten, that it was the easiest party I've ever hosted. Yeah, oh, for sure. I think just because it was so laid out and it was so specific, right, down to the exact phrasing of the invites that I was sending, uh-huh. um, it felt like I had some cheat code to parties, basically. That's great. Um, so that that was really that was a really cool experience. Um, Thanks for and, uh, and of course, our guests had great feedback as well. Oh, I can't wait to hear. Um, one thing that I did differently from what you did was yep. I did an icebreaker, which was very highly rated. So I asked at the end of the party after I did the group photo, mm-hmm. I actually said, you know, I'm going to email you a feedback form and like please comment on any positive or negative feedback you have about the party. Mm. 
And over and over again, the number one positive feedback, which I love the specific icebreaker you did, which was everyone have one thing that is your give. So one thing that you want to offer to the group. Yes. Uh, and then one thing that is your ask, one request or something you would like to receive from the group. Nice. I like using that icebreaker at my events that I've hosted before. And I mm. think it really was a success this time mm. as well. Because mm. um, I think what it really did is it catalyzed connections between people and ways that people could support and help each other. Mm. Um, I found that to be very helpful for folks. That's cool. Um, yeah. And we got great feedback on that as well. That's kind of the twist I did to yeah. make it kind of interesting. That's good. That works. You know how to read the room and you know who your visitors were and what they could take. Did you give them a five-minute warning for the last icebreaker and tell them what the question was going to be? I ended up actually, in the book, you say three icebreakers. Yeah. I, we actually only ended up having time to do two because yeah. I think the party was just going so good. Nice. I didn't want to interrupt for a third one. Yeah. And then the third interruption was just to do the group photo. Nice. Um, so for before that icebreaker where you asked about, say, your name and work. Did you have people say what they do yes, for work? Yeah. So Visual. I did, I, I followed the, um, One, two, three. the formula. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, uh, you know, Hey, uh, you know, say your name, yeah. where you work. And if you don't want to talk about work, a hobby or something you'd like to volunteer at. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, the gives and the asks for the gives and, and then, the asks. What I'm wondering is, did you give them a heads up the five minute warning to think about what they're given? Oh, no, no, <laughs> no, no. You just did it. <laughs> no, okay. no, no. I just, okay. I just threw people into it. Yeah. Um, now to be fair, I think the people who went immediately after me, because yes. I, I would give the first example, yep. they did struggle a little bit to yeah. come up with something, mm -hmm. but I actually like help them. So oh, um, actually one of my friends, um, he was like, oh no, I don't have any give. Like, what should I give? And I said, uh, you know, his name's Clement. I said, Clement will give his birthday party. Please go to Clement's birthday party. And That's I cool. Kind of did a give on his behalf. Really cool. Um, to kind of help him, um, huh. but also like set the stage for others. Yeah. But it's, it's actually interesting you mentioned the, the kind of five minute Time to think. I wonder if that breaks the flow too much if people are just quietly nursing their drink and like mm. thinking about it. I like to maintain that velocity, but mm. um, good word. I like that word of velocity yeah. to talk about the energy that's in the room. Yeah. I find that with my complaint with the give and the ask, because I've been at a lot of events that do those and I think it's very powerful. Mm -hmm. I also find myself wanting to calibrate both my give and right. my ask to the room. Mm -hmm. And I personally need time to think about it. Mm -hmm. Unless I have the prep or the prompt to come in, sometimes, so that's why I'm wondering, and next time if you host another mm -hmm. event with the format, try giving people the five-minute warning. Mm. It is absolutely a break of the velocity, but I find at my events I'm constantly breaking the velocity it looks like an up and down roller coaster. Interesting. And one of the reasons that I find, I talk about this a little bit, is that the icebreakers not only create new conversations, but they give an opportunity to end the existing conversations. Mm -hmm. And in addition to using the icebreakers for that, the five-minute warning, it's actually shocking to see those conversations that are waiting to break up. They bust up. At that five-minute warning, it's an excuse for somebody to be like, all right, I'm done. Thank you so much. He said, I'm going to go get a drink. Yeah. I'm going to go get a drink before the icebreaker. I see. The whole room won't break, but some of them will. And so that's what I look for is when I make those interruptions that break the velocity, is there motion in the room afterwards? Right. If there was motion, then I know that it was needed, even a little bit. 
If there's no motion and just the energy's out, then I sort of self-calibrate. I'm like, okay, we can wait a lot longer for the icebreaker. Yeah. So I'll many times I'll say, hey, everybody, in three minutes, we're going to do a round of icebreakers. Grab a drink. Say hey to somebody new if you need to. Use the restroom to freshen up. We'll circle back in three minutes. I'll then watch the room. And maybe I'll do it in three minutes. Maybe I'll do five minutes. Maybe do 10 minutes. And nobody's ever said, you know, hey, you said you're going to do it in three minutes. It's been six minutes. What happened? Yeah, those things are flexible. Yeah, makes sense. Hmm. I think that's good feedback. I think having that prep can be important. Mm. Um, And um, actually, my friend Stephen is hosting a gathering next week. And Mm. what he's doing, he's doing the gives and asks as well. Mm. He's putting them in the invite. That's genius. I was just thinking. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's yeah, really just nice. gives people, like you said, that calibration. I think yes. that's a really important thing to we can iterate on. And even if you just included it in the reminder message. Right. Just the day of, hey, everybody, welcome. See you soon. One quick note, the last icebreaker of the night will say a give and an ask. Be thinking about what you can give. Here's an example. Mm-hmm. Be thinking about what you want to ask. Here's an example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. It's nice. That's a very advanced level for me. Yeah. That is an advanced icebreaker that... I think in writing this book, I tried to appeal to the most apprehensive host who had never, Mm -hmm. who feels very anxious. So I love that icebreaker for an advanced host with Mm -hmm. a lot of experience. Makes sense. Yeah. It was actually interesting already having a reputation as a great host, I think, because it actually made it harder in a certain way, which was... I couldn't use the excuse, it's my first time, right? (laughs) And so it was interesting because when I kind of proposed your two-hour cocktail party, Uh there was actually a little bit of anxiety on my end on like, oh, shoot, this is actually kind of new and different from what I normally do. Mm. And so I I have like a reputation on the line kind of Mm. to like do something experimental and different. Right. So there was actually like an interesting barrier and the inertia of what I, what people know me for that to like do something a little different but yeah you know i'm lucky that my friends are very open with it and, and it went well anyway so that's cool yeah so could you talk about that a little bit about what your friends normally know you for or for the events that if you wouldn't have done this what would they have expected yeah for sure so um normally i host uh what are called learning nights okay um so these are essentially uh if you've ever watched a ted talk they're TED Talks by your friends in their pajamas at my house, nice. uh, essentially. And so we have uh, three speakers give talks on things that they're interested in. And essentially how it works is, you know, you come, you mingle, listen to the talks. And afterwards, you know, we just break out for discussion and people can talk amongst themselves. Hmm. It's kind of like, you know, going to watch a movie and then talking about it at the end. Cool. Except what I like about the talks is that it's much shorter than a movie because no one actually wants to watch a movie. They just want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the talks gives this substrate for people to then have interesting conversations on top of. Uh-huh. What I also like is I make the talk topics very different from each other mm. to attract a very diverse crowd. Mm. So, for example, like I'm not going to have three people all talking about tech. Right. 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 Uh, it's, you know, I'm going to have one person talking about the science of how sushi is made. I'm going to nice. have one person talking about the history of circumcision. Nice. I'm going to have one t- person talking about how to get out of emergency situations, right? Cool. And so like that like appeals to different people and mm-hmm. attracts a different audience, which then when you collide them in the same room leads to, I think, more interesting conversations. It's good conversational diversity, which attracts For sure. diversity and there's different people in the crowd. I yeah. agree. And so what I was not used to is just coming and doing a mixer and like not having a substrate, uh-huh. uh, which was kind of interesting. But I think the guest bios actually 
formed a little bit of that substrate, mm. um, which was actually pretty helpful for me. And I think like once I got the hang of like, you know, when the first guests start rolling in, I'm like, oh, mm. okay, I get where this is starting to roll. Mm. Um, but certainly until I did the first one, mm-hmm. it was definitely, I was as an experienced host, you know, it, it was more like, okay, I need to like convince all my friends to come do something that's different from what I normally do, mm. uh, which was kind of interesting. You need to convince your friends to come do the first icebreaker. Is that what you're talking about? Or, or, or to, to, do, come to, your to do a cocktail party yes, or a mixer. Yes, Actually, yes. what's interesting was um, I called it a cocktail party. Yes. And people were like, Bill, you don't even drink. Right. Like, what, what is this? This is so formal. And yeah. I just, I, I was like, okay, scratch that. Uh-huh. I called it a mixer instead. Nice. You know, and then, you know, I kind of had to like twist some of the things. So, you know, they caught me plagiarizing essentially from copy pasting <laughs> your book. So That's I had to kind of change it to match my personality. That's good though. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. 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 Sodas and icebreakers, mixers and icebreakers. I worked with a guy recently who read my book and he is Mormon and so they obviously don't drink alcohol, and so they did mocktails and icebreakers. Mm. He came up with the most complicated list of mocktail drinks. There were like nine different drinks. Leave it to the Mormons. Every mixer and pump of flavor Amazing. and everything. But there are there's a lot of, have you seen amongst your friends, there's a lot of interest now for no alcohol, low yeah. alcohol events. For sure. It's really good. I really shot myself in the book by calling it. <laughs> to our cocktail party. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah, version two. Version two, right? Yeah. So my question to you then is, how do you not rely on your reputation to attract strangers to come to your party? Because mm-hmm. one thing I noticed is that, like with Learning Night, I can advertise that and people will want to attend even if they don't know who I am mm-hmm. because they'll have heard of like, you know, oh, it's a speaking night or they're familiar with that format or mm-hmm. it's public speaking. Mm-hmm. So they'll kind of know what to expect even if they're total strangers. But what I found with the mixer was that I kind of could only invite people who already knew me and I was kind of like using my reputation as the attraction. How can I like kind of evolve the event or like not rely on my reputation in order to attract more strangers to attend? Mm. As we think about that phrase, cocktail party, which for your friends was a turn off, for the average person hosting a cocktail party is an exciting event. Mm-hmm. For the average person who's never hosted before, the idea, I'm even thinking among, I talked to a guy this morning who lives up in Dallas, and he invited 19 people and got 19 yeses. Amazing. Which I said, I never get that. I, My numbers don't, what are you doing? And, you know, this guy was older, and just the idea of him hosting it on a Tuesday or Wednesday night mm-hmm. was so special and so powerful. If I did not have a reputation and I wanted to invite people, the phrase I've used in the past is, hey, I host these little mixers. So I invite half my existing friends and half new people, mm-hmm. cool new people like you who I've met. And the purpose is to just introduce my friends to some other friends. Mm. Leaning into that purpose that the event really will be something where ideally someone has a lot of little conversations where they're going to meet a lot of new people, and if they want to be friends, they can follow up with them afterwards. But really leaning into the idea that this is an event to make new friends because nobody teaches adults how to make new friends. Mm -hmm. And that's the purpose of these gatherings I'm trying to get people to do. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It makes sense in that, like, kind of what I'm hearing is the attractor there is, like, you know, for folks who want to make new friends, right, or Mm. it's, you know, you're positioning it as, like, this is a great opportunity to have conversations with new people Mm. as the attraction. 
So like, for example, with learning night, right? Mm -hmm. Like the attraction to that is you're going to come and you can learn these topics, mm. right? Even if you don't like people, don't like talking to them. Mm -hmm. And so there is this like kind of built in branding there, mm. you know, but with, if I'm just saying, come to my mixer, right? It, it's like the attraction is, yes, there is the like meet other people, you know, but then there's also the like, well, I'm doing it because I like Bill and maybe I like his friends and I want to come. Yeah. Um. So I, I wonder like, are there ways of like, I'm just kind of, thinking mm -hmm. out loud, like, yeah, are, are there ways of like adding more things to attract people who may not know me as well, right? Mm. Or like who could be strangers yeah. to just make it more appealing. So some more things that I invite people to do. I think I remember you got a really good group photo, right? Yeah. And I advise people, save that photo, make it a favorite. Sometimes mm. even if you're going to a big social event, it sounds silly, but set it as your wallpaper. Yeah, the and social proof. The social proof of showing that photo to somebody. Hey, look, I get these people. People like you and I and your listeners that are hyper-connected individuals who have probably already full social calendars and meet a lot of interesting people, we forget what the world is like for the other 95%. Mm -hmm. That, frankly, going to any event that you host, whether it's a learning night or just a cocktail party mixer, is a very exciting part of their day, if not their week, maybe their month. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested in bringing those edge case people together mm. and bringing them into an event where they can meet some new people. Hosts like us that are always looking for the shiny new forget that the idea of the minimum viable party, and maybe you just do one of these once a quarter and say, look, this is just an easy party. I'm just going to lock it in on my calendar, and I'm going to use it to loop in all these other people that I don't see all the time. It's meant to be a very low-stakes affair, a very simple thing. And so I hear you as like a pro host, and like, what's the shiny? What's the shiny? Uh, yeah. you what do I air. need? Yeah. Yeah? Which is cool, right? Because oftentimes we as hosts will host things to impress our friends, right? Yeah. And we forget that sometimes it's just nice to hang out and meet some new people, have a drink, keep it short, keep it tight, and not feel the pressure of a learning night or a theme party mm. or something like that. And that's really what I'm trying to instill, that you don't need the shiny. You don't need a fancy dinner course, right? I am kind of wrote this book as sort of a treatise against dinner parties. I see. Because many people think that they need to host a dinner party, that that's the way to get their friends together. And it's for many, it's very stressful and they'll never do it again. They don't become regular hosts. I tried to write a formula that allows people to become a regular host. Yeah. Hmm. I really like that because I think that speaks to a trade-off of like, if I wanted to add all those shiny bells and whistles and make mm -hmm. it super attractive, or whatever, that also burns me out. And as a consequence, it means I host fewer events, right? And it ends up, bringing fewer people together fewer uh -huh. times. So I, th I think you're right, right? Yeah. If you just keep it more simple, mm. it kind of conserves your energy as a host and then you can do even more events. And that's, that's really the magic. I think that I could have written a book of an incredible, of trying to teach someone how to do a learning night. The reality of hosting a learning night is there's very few people that can pull it off. There's a lot of moving pieces. It requires a sophisticated network it requires so much investment from your guests. And I wanted to encourage people, the biggest benefits I've found is when you can make hosting a habit. Mm -hmm. How do you make hosting something that you continually do? You'll meet the most people and build the biggest relationships when you always have your next event on the calendar. 
Why is that? Because you're here at the WeWork, you meet somebody in the lobby. Oh my God, I'm going to do an event next week. You should totally come hang out. It's an easy invite. It seems natural. I believe that in trying to encourage a new generation of hosts, there are those trade-offs. And now I'm thinking about that phrase because it's beautiful. There are trade-offs that you make to have an easy party. I think the trade-offs are worth it to get the reps in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I strongly agree with that. Mm. I think the more practice you have and the the kind of more volume you do, mm-hmm. uh, the, the better you'll be as a host too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I found it really interesting. When you lived in New York, you put up these posters just asking people to reach out to you to be friends. Yes. First of all, that's freaking awesome. Second <laughs> of all, that's freaking crazy. And third of all, like, how do you then reject someone who you don't want to hang out with, right? Because if you just mm. put posters in New York City, there are some very interesting characters in New York that I oh think maybe gosh. you don't want to hang out with. There really were. That was such an interesting party. First of all, I did not host it at my home. I, <laughs> okay. <laughs> for that party, I hosted it in a different venue because, yeah, I did have a little bit of concerns. So here's what I did. I put up some posters around New York City that said something like, you know, looking for new friends or something like that. And I tried to write an earnest message essentially saying, hey, my name's Nick. I moved to a big city to meet new people. I'm not selling anything. If you're looking for a new friend, I'm just going to host a party and we'll get a bunch of random folks together and let's be friends. And I had people send me an email. In hindsight, I would have done a few things differently. One, I would have included a very simple photograph of myself on there. Two, I probably used a QR code and I would have, no, I think that's, I think that's all that I would have done differently. I asked them to tell me a little bit about themselves once they sent me a message. That, even that little investment weeded out some people Mm -hmm. who maybe were looking for trouble or just saying like, this is crazy. Let's go to this party and get messed up. And so I asked them to tell them a little bit about, I I don't think I ruled out more than 10% based on those responses. I think I almost accepted everybody. Because if you write back, it shows some investment. Mm -hmm. At the party itself, there were some wild cards. There were some wild cards. I would say half of the people were wild cards. The other half were genuinely cool people that I'm still friends with and in touch with today. This one guy who moved here, I think, from Kenya or somewhere over on the continent of Africa. Really cool guy who had an amazing story. No, he came from Morocco. Had this amazing story, was from a social group that I never would have met him otherwise. And we become really good friends. We follow each other's stories. We comment on them. There was another woman who came who was a business owner. And I just got to learn about her company. Someone else came who was a bartender. And, you know, someone who doesn't drink. These are, I don't have a lot of bartender friends. I want more bartender friends. Mm-hmm. So it was a neat experience and it's high risk, high reward, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Probably one of the highest risk things to just post a poster in New York City yeah. and just ask people to come yes. to your party. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do it again. This has been happening more and more on TikTok that people are saying, I think it's kind of working amongst women because women especially have a hard time meeting friends in a new city. But I heard from somebody where she posted a video here in Austin what's up? Are you having trouble meeting new friends? I am too. Let's just start a group and let's all meet up in the park. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine went to it, actually. She said about 35 women showed up and it was like, cool. They were just all in the park in a picnic. And she actually had read my book. So she brought some name tags. Amazing. And she was like the hero of the party. So that made me happy. Yeah. That's really awesome. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Was there ever a situation where you needed to kick someone out? I have hosted hundreds of parties 
And I have had perhaps one or two guests that have drank too much alcohol. It is directly related to drinking. I see. And the icebreakers, really, it happens so infrequently. The amount of questions I get is disproportionate to the amount of times that it actually happens because it is a new host question. What happens if somebody, I invite somebody to my house and they drink too much? And the reality is at these types of parties, you really don't drink that much. You're talking, you're having a lot of conversation. I have had it happen once or twice. I will tell you that I recently hosted a dating salon where I invited people to just, it wasn't a singles party, Folks were single, but I said, hey, if you're spending time on the dating apps, let's all gather and let's talk about our experiences, our pro tips. Let's all help each other be more successful Mm -hmm. in online dating. And at that meetup or event or salon, I guess it was more of a salon, there are people that have a lot of opinions Mm -hmm. and it's almost like a group therapy class. And as a facilitator, it was the hardest event that I've hosted because I really had to make sure I heard from everybody. Some people wanted to monopolize the conversation. And it's in those moments that I think as a facilitator that are extremely advanced. How do you literally tell somebody that I've heard enough from you for the next little while? Mm -hmm. I need to hear from somebody else in a captive audience. It's in front of everybody else, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting. Yeah, you got to be the bad cop. You got to be the bad cop, right? Yeah, keep the... Keep the peace. There's one little thing I said in the book that is, it was one of my favorite things. I said, your job is not to the individual guests. Your job is to serve the party as the whole. And you have to be the cop a little bit at your own party, whether that's to run the icebreakers, to lead with gentle authority, or to kick everybody out, if that's your goal, is to ask everybody to leave. One of the biggest things I hear from new hosts that don't have the facilitation experience that you or your listeners have is, well, I hosted the party and I was going to do the icebreaker, but everybody was talking and just looked like they were having a good time. I didn't want to stop that. Yeah, That's the next step. When you can step up as a facilitator, as a leader saying, hey, I need to do this. I know what energy this is going to create. I know the velocity that I want in the room and I'm going to do this because I know what the result will be. Yeah. Interesting. I have a money question for you. Great. I assume you are a wealthy individual. Uh, <laughs> I got uh, lucky based on someone. based on your internet uh, presence. Okay. Um, but um, have you found money to be an obstacle in having good events in a certain way? This is something I think about, which is for me, it's like you know I have a professional job, right? I make a certain amount of money, mm. and so I have this temptation to spend it to make awesome events. But I also am conscious of the fact that a lot of my friends, maybe they're students, they work in academia. You know, I don't want to create this friction or like, you know, generate jealousy or like Mm. kind of just come off the wrong way. Especially, you know, friends of mine, I value their friendship, Mm -hmm. uh, but they just happen to not make the same income that I do. Mm. Um, How do you like think of that as someone who is wealthy and like hosts events Mm. to also be inclusive of friends who may not come from the same you know, socioeconomic background. Mm. I think hosting is one of the most generous things we can do because we invite someone into our home and we say, eat, drink, it's on me. There's very few chances that we get to do that out in public. To treat everybody out to a round of drinks at a bar, I don't think I've ever done that before, to like treat the whole bar to a round of drinks, right? Mm -hmm. Or to take all my friends out to a fancy dinner and say, dinner's on me, everybody, right? But when we host a party and we get to bring people into our home, that's the one time that we get to do that. 
And I found through my supplies list that you can do that. You can treat everybody to some basic snacks and basic drinks for around $100 per party. The biggest expense is actually your rent and where you live and, mm -hmm. and being able to bring them into your home. And I tried to write a book that allows people to do that with a very limited budget. And in fact, it works better in smaller apartments because of the velocity and the noise and, and the kind of collisions. When I spend money on events, it will be for staffing purposes usually or for something special. Staffing purposes, I like to hire occasionally. Now I don't because I'm back to the minimum thing. Mm -hmm. But I would hire like... Um, when I was hosting a lot in New York, I would hire like a setup team to help mm. me do the setup and the cleanup afterwards. I would hire a bartender. And by the way, if you're listening to this, hiring a bartender is one of the easiest things that you can do to not only help you serve drinks and make it look slightly more professional, but also to ask them to help you tidy and clean up during the event. Uh, that, it, for me, is one of my biggest pet peeves when I'm at a party and I notice that there's just trash accumulating, whether it's party shrapnel of empty cans and plates and cups and things like that. Sometimes I'll hire a photographer. Or the big spend, if I ever spend a lot of money, it's for musicians or entertainment. I've hired drum lines and things like that in the past. But I never feel that it is too intimidating or that the type of people look down on it. What I worry about more so is somebody seeing those big parties that I host and then saying, oh, well, I can't do that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. well, I'm not going to host a party. So more and more, I'm doing less of those style parties because it doesn't serve the purpose of encouraging a new generation of hosts. Mm -hmm. I'm really obsessed with that idea of like, what's the minimum viable party that I could host? Yeah. I really like the idea also of like, if you have money to spend, right? Like spending it on these kind of like services instead mm. of almost like a direct transfer of wealth to your friends if you're just like buying them dinner, uh -huh. right? Because first of all, it feels less like you're paying your friends uh -huh. uh, to be their friend. Yeah. Um, but also I think it, it like you said, right? It, it kind of helps you as a host be more efficient as a host, mm -hmm. right? You know, you're helping with the setup and the takedown, right? Yeah. And the cleaning and the... Um, Making my life more, yeah. less stressful or right. something. Yeah. There is a friend that I have who's here in Austin who's extremely wealthy, and he hosts insane parties. Some of them are on my stories and my social media. He will hire event planning companies and full catering and waiters and security and valet and... You know, we've had jello wrestling and foam pits <laughs> wow. and a dunk tank and everything like that. And he simply does it to his credit just because he thinks it's fun. He doesn't do it to try to impress people. He doesn't do it to try to buy his friendships. He's like, I got this place. I got this money. Like, what's the point of having it? I want to do it. I don't care if you guys want to. This is what I want to do. Yeah. And so I'm inspired by that idea. Like, well, that's what I want to do. So if I want to do it, then I'll do it and I'll have fun. Yeah. But the idea of, yeah, of trying to impress or something. Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you also used to have on your website, quote, I'm always seeking the next friend who will change my life. Yeah. Uh, who is someone you've met that's most changed your life? I have a woman in my life. Her name is Nina, and she is a, she used, she's a former museum director. I met her through the museum world. This is so funny, by the way. I looked up to her. She was, like, super famous in the museum world. And I waited because I used to work with museums. I had a company called Museum Hack that did these renegade museum tours. 
And she was very much in the top three most famous people in the museum world, the Mark Zuckerberg of museums. She led this museum. She turned it around. She was just seen as the new wave of museums. And amongst my staff, they all really looked up to her. And we're like, oh, we're not going to reach out until we're ready, until we have a reason to reach out. How funny is this? We had hired some blogger to help us write some articles. And as part of writing an article, this freelancer reached out to her, not thinking or not knowing all the baggage that we had and being intimidated in order to get a quote or something for the blog post. And this woman wrote back. She was happy. Oh, my gosh, I'm such a big fan of Museum Hack. And I tell the freelancer, I'm like, you emailed Nina <laughs> Simon? Oh, who told you? How did you? They're like, I'm just trying to get quotes. I'm trying. I'm just like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Oh, my gosh. And then I ended up meeting her. She's like, hey, I'm going to this conference. You're going to be there. Why don't we meet up? And I ended up meeting her through that. And now we're like best friends. We talk all the time. She's actually coming to visit on Sunday. And she is, she's helped me with my book. She's helped me with my career. Little things like that. I think, yeah, you just never know when you'll meet someone who can change your life. Yeah. Amazing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. What notes have you been taking about this? Mm. I'm actually really curious what, what you've learned from this conversation. I was just wondering about your learning nights. How often do you host them? Yeah. Um, so I target about once a month. Um, in practice, it ends up being once a quarter. Okay. <laughs> and I think it's because of what we talked about earlier, which is just that because it takes so much more planning and effort, mm. um, you know, it means that the cadence uh, is slower than I think what I want it to be. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, so that's, that's been the general cadence. And how many people come usually? It really depends. Um, so the last one I hosted was uh, about 30. That was in June. Wow. And then when I used to host them in Toronto, we would get around 50. Wow. Um, yeah. So usually like pretty large events. Host at your home all the time? Yeah. So when I was living in Toronto, there was a place I was living. It was actually, um, I found a place with a roommate. We had rented this two-story penthouse downtown. And it turns out that when you split a giant home five ways, it's actually quite affordable. Nice. And so we did it specifically because the first floor was just this massive space that we used essentially just for learning night, really, um, cool. which was, uh, which was quite cool. And then, um, I had moved out of there, but, uh, you know, I kept in contact with them and then they're like, you know, please come and host your events. So right. I, I kept, uh, hosting it there. That's pretty nice. Yeah. You said that phrase that my book was like a cheat code for parties Yeah. and that phrase cheat code, just like the phrase cocktail party. I'm looking for these little phrases, these little sound bites that, Oh, somebody snaps in. Oh, the cheat code. Oh, the scripts, right? So using that phrase, I've never said, oh, my book is like a cheat code for hosting parties. Yeah. So I really like that. I wrote down a note that I wanted to ask you and get your opinion on the group photo. So I'm not 100% certain on where it fits in my formula. I believe in the book, even I'm a little wishy-washy. I'm like, uh -huh. oh, you could do before the third icebreaker, after the icebreaker. The group photo really is a velocity shift. It's valuable and it has to be done, but the shift in velocity, you literally have everybody stop, stop their conversations, physically gather, and there's not a lot of value to the attendees to take that group photo. It is one of the most selfish acts that a host can do is taking that photo. And so I just wanted to hear your thoughts. If you had any reflections on the timing of it, if you had any modifications, where you would suggest a new host actually place the group photo in the arc of their, their party. Yeah. 
I can talk a little bit about like how I think of the different acts of a party, mm. right? Same as like the acts of a movie or yeah. a plot. What I find is that when you go to a party and let's say it's, you know, three hours long, right? Mm. And if you just kind of spend all three hours like in the living room chatting, mm. that's one experience. But if you break up the party so that kind of the first hour is in the living room and you're chatting, the second hour is in the kitchen and you're maybe having drinks and you're maybe having snacks. And then maybe the third hour is when you're on the patio, right? Mm. And then you're like talking more. Mm. That it almost feels like three parties. It does. Right? And so you're because the environment has changed, right? It's like you're you're getting more memories from people and you're yes. you're get, you're getting a deeper experience for the same amount of time. Um, is there a word for that? For that I'm not sure. concept. Yeah. If anybody's listening to this and you know what this is called. Yeah, yeah. It's the please, cheat code for parties. Yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please tell us what we can talk about analytically or at a high level. What is that called when you can break up the physical yeah. spacing? I mean, I think of it as like acts, right? Like mm. acts of a play, right? Or yeah. acts of a plot or movie or mm. book, you know? Mm. And that, that kind of is what it is, mm. right? It's like, you know, whenever you're watching a movie, like act one has a certain mood or like a emotion to it. It's usually like, you know, you introduce the characters and act two is like the main conflict and the main like, oh my gosh, like you're really anxious and like want to, there's suspense and you want to see mm. where the action is. And then act three is like, uh, things get resolved and you're like, you know, uh, everyone's happy and you get yeah. this, you know, serotonin release from that. Hmm. So sometimes I think of parties that way or like, how do I create these uh, act breaks essentially? Hmm. And so um, the group photo essentially functions as an act break, hmm. right? And so it's like pre-group photo and post-group photo are almost hmm. two different parties. Hmm. I would think of it as like, is there a way to then evolve the party into something else after the group photo so that it doesn't feel like you're just kind of stopping and then restarting from where you started, mm -hmm. but that you're kind of transitioning into something else. Mm -hmm. I'll give an example, which is I'm planning my birthday, which will be coming up. And what I would plan to do, uh, actually, this is, a, this is a good idea for a birthday because a act break in a birthday is usually when the cake comes out and then you sing happy birthday and blow out the candles. That's your analog to the group photo when you kind of slow down and mix everyone up. So in my birthday, uh, the activities that I have planned are there's uh, mingling, there's arts and crafts. I'm going to do a kind of getting to know people like partners uh, activity, and then I'm going to do a game show. And so what I would plan like for my birthday is like I would do the icebreaker getting to know people portion like in the living room and then we would have the cake at a certain point when it feels appropriate. Mm. And then during that act break, we then move somewhere else, in this case to the backyard, to then do the game show. Mm. Because then it's like pre-birthday cake and after birthday cake are mm -hmm. like two different events and two different parties and right. like have different feels to them. What I like about thinking in terms of act breaks is it also gives a natural excuse for people to come or go. Yes. Right. So if somebody needs to leave early or people need to come late, right? Instead of kind of feeling like they're interrupting something, mm -hmm. you have this natural kind of like, it's like, oh, cool. Like, you know, I'm here for like this part and like, I'm so sorry to miss the next part, but it's a, it's like a natural way for them to then exit to go to their next thing or, mm -hmm. you know, for people who need to come late. Um, so does, that's, that's kind of how I think about it. It serves as a beautiful way to integrate new arrivals. Yeah. Where if somebody shows up 30 minutes late and then, well, the next act, they're brought into the fold and now it's a new event and they're a part of it and they get to experience everything new. Right. Just like everybody else. It's a leveling mechanism almost. Yeah, kind of. When you do your act breaks, do you make an announcement? How do you physically, what's well, the well, mechanics? When you, when you watch a movie, do they announce when the act one ends and the act two begins? I guess not. I guess not. No. It's, it's just, uh, to me, it's just, it's the combination of the 
change in environment and just the emotional tone, right? Mm. Like it, it'll feel very natural when you're going through it. Mm. The other example is Learning Night. Learning Night has built-in act breaks, which is after every talk, right? Like every mm. talk is a new thing. Mm. And so in the like five minutes between the end of the last talk and the question period and the like, you know, when we're mingling and setting up for the next talk, mm -hmm. that window of time is distinct from the next window of time mm -hmm. between the next speakers, right? And so mm. uh, similarly with a group photo, right? It's like, you know, you had your party before the group photo where everyone's chatting. And so maybe, um, I don't know, maybe there could be some way to somehow change the emotion or feeling after the group photo mm -hmm. in a certain way. Um, to use not the sure moment. what that looked like, but yeah. Yeah, but I'm hearing from you to use the momentum of the act break of the group photo in a strategic way. Right. To use it, yes, as a segue or something. Yeah. I think the simplest way is just changing the environment, right? So it's mm. like if you've been hanging out in the living room, just go hang out in the kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if you've been hanging out outside, go inside, mm. right? Just changing the environment is just a very natural mm -hmm. uh, emotional change too. Mm -hmm. You know, a party outdoors feels very different from a party indoors. Hmm. It, it's really the feeling and the emotion change. That's what's happening. How long at your learning nights, by the way, how long are the speeches? Um, so our standard format is a 15-minute speech and then a five-minute question and answer period. Wow. Yeah, we found, we've we've like experimented with all sorts of different um, timings and whatnot. Yeah, I find that to be about the right length. I think if you ask someone to watch somebody speak for like, 20 minutes, that tends to be too long and people start fidgeting. They mm. want to itch for their phone, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so we, we found that to be the right length. Neat. And it's not so short that like people don't have enough time to like make their point. Yeah. And so we found 15 minutes to be about the right length. Have you done anything to help encourage the Q&A? Um, usually we have to encourage people to stop asking questions. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah, yeah. Because I think, um, I mean, people are just naturally curious. Like you, if you host a night called Learning Night, right, you're going to get right. the most curious people who want to learn. Um, For sure. So it, it's, yeah, we, it's usually we have to get people to stop asking questions <laughs> so we can go to the next speaker. That's good. That's yeah. great. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. There's a module that I play with that's called Lightning Talks. Mm. And Lightning Talks is it's extremely advanced and it i ask people on the spot while they're mingling hey bill is there something that you'd be willing to talk for 30 to 45 seconds about in front of the crowd something that can, seconds uh -huh, damn something that can add value that you're passionate and excited about something that you know about and i say 30 to 45 seconds but i'll let them go do you then take minutes. notes on these and publish them as your own tweets I don't, but I okay. should. I should. Yeah. <laughs> but I do write down, and in my book somewhere here, I have the list from the last one. So I had um, Isaac spoke to the room about how to take good headshots. Matt spoke about last-minute flights. Um, Erica spoke about Brazil fun facts. Random things like that. And I will get people to talk for 30 to 45 seconds. And I asked about the question thing because it's something that I'm experimenting with how to get people to ask more questions at the end of those lightning talks. Mm. My hosting style tends to be very structured, and that doesn't lend itself to a lot of Q&A. Folks don't know there's even a Q&A. So now I've just seated it, and I say, hey, we're not going to go to the next one until we get at least one question. I did that at the last party I tested this at, and it worked great. Mm -hmm. But I'm interested in ways to yeah. encourage and enhance the audience participation. I'm interested also in, uh, you know, I know you host these um, book nights, right? Where people come and read a book and then discuss it. 
Has that been a issue at your book club where like people are curious about these new ideas? At the book clubs, when I was hosting book club in New York City, we would let each of the book club members lead the discussion. So it wasn't the same facilitator each time. And that was interesting because everybody had a different style yeah. of leading. It was a very small group, a very intimate group of friends. Maybe there were only five or six of us in the club. And we were all business focused and the books would have some relation to business perhaps. Book clubs are hard. Book they clubs are. are <laughs> book clubs are really hard. Yeah. I don't think I have a lot of thoughts on them. Yeah. Because I think kind of what you're touching on is like, how do I get people to ask questions, right? Or how do I get people to engage more or, you know, read more books? This is also something that, you know, I wish more people would do is read more books, mm. right? It's really hard to get people interested in these like kind of deep topics yeah. a lot of times. And have you ever hosted a book swap? During the pandemic, I hosted Idea Club. Uh-huh. Um, so this was a, I refuse to call it a book club because the purpose of Idea Club was not to read the book. And the, the way we structured it was every night we would have a book, but somebody would present the ideas in the book and you didn't have to read it Smart um, to like lower the barrier of entry. So what was really interesting about that was that was great as a social event, right? It's like, you know, bringing everyone together, right? As an easy thing you can do remotely, right? Uh-huh. Especially during COVID. However, what I, what I found is that most people want to talk about their ideas. They don't like learning about new ideas. <laughs> uh, and so it was actually very interesting to kind of see that dynamic, mm. right? Because then like someone will talk about like, oh, I read this book and blah, blah, blah. And here's what I learned. And then like during the discussion, we'll have someone be like, oh, but like, actually, I believe this, this other thing. And there's this other book. And it's like, you're free to contribute and like, you know, talk about why you disagree with the book or like whatnot. Uh-huh. Um, you know, but like, I, I think certain people use it as a platform for just like, you know, I just want to share my ideas. I'm not going to listen to your ideas. Their chance to speak, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> so it's just kind of interesting. I was just thinking about how weird of a time that was when we were all literally at home, nothing on our social calendars. Yeah. And we had space to do something like that. Were you saying it was every night? Um, it was, we did it every week. So wow. it, was a, it was a weekly recurring it was Pretty event. cool, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't imagine doing something like that now. It's, it sounds great. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. And yet people are just busier now, but that was a time when nobody was, there right. was nothing going on. Yeah. What a It was wild. almost easier to host things in, in a certain sense, First, right? Yeah. 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 People were more open to doing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I talked to a woman today who wants to do events and she's talking about Linking up with somebody to co-host events. Yeah. Do you ever co-host events? Oh, I, I try to as much as I can. Yeah. I think actually it's not to take work off of my hands, but it, it's actually co-hosting I find is a way to get to know someone better as well mm-hmm. and like get closer to them as friends too, you know, because like you're kind of working on this project together. Mm. Um, and it's like, like to me, a friendship is not just, you know, oh, like we go out and have beers and have fun. But it's like, you know, we'll support each other in some way. Right. right. And so co-hosting is that way of supporting. Yeah. Uh, in a lot in like, you know, offering the ability to kind of um just to have that support. Working together too, right? Exactly. You get to work with them on something, which right. you're almost starting a little business for a minute, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. The two hour business. <laughs> the two hour business. Yeah. It's nice to co-host because you get to meet their friends too. I yes. think that's one of the biggest benefits is that you get to meet and get exposed to their network of people who they invite. Yeah. That's cool. I I have a friend who, um, she does these 
uh, she calls them co-creative parties hmm. where basically it's like in order to come to the party, you have to find someone to then add something to the party. So for example, it's like, I'm bringing a friend who's going to play the gong for us hmm. because uh, I have a friend who she has like a gong collection mm-hmm. of like all these different types of gongs. And then she like plays her gongs. That's pretty neat. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. cool. You know, or it's like, uh, yeah, well, like I had one friend I met through there who he was like really into improv. Right. So he like taught an improv class to us as nice. part of the party. That's pretty. So it's like, co- it's like a, as a host, you don't even have to do anything. You're just like, I have all these talented friends. They could just come and show off their talents. It's sort of like a talent show, right? Uh, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. An adult talent show, even the lightning modules that I was talking about, that's essentially what it is a little bit. Yeah. The idea to to host, I want to do a theme now of a party that's a talent show. That would be cool. Yeah. That's nice. You got to be careful to calibrate there again, I guess, because it's like, you know, some people it's like, they'll be like, oh, well, I don't have any talents. And And it's not true, right? It's like maybe the talent that they have isn't necessarily something they can perform. Mm. Maybe their talent is like, you know, I'm really good at like financial analysis of real estate deals, uh-huh. right? But it's like, how do you like- Great point. Do that in a party, like, you know? Right. <laughs> good point though. That's a yeah. really good example. My first reaction was to say, okay, maybe this party isn't for you. Right? <laughs> yeah. But now that's a really good point. That adds to the diversity of thought and the new ideas that you want at the party. And so, yeah, how do you get to pull out that stuff from people? But the idea of a talent show, I think, would be really neat. Is there any theme parties or special party types that you want to throw that has been on your bucket list? I would like to get married. Okay. Yeah. That'd be cool. (laughs) That would be very cool. That'd be nice. Uh, Although I will leave it up to my uh, future spouse kind of, it'll be she will be the most important co-host i think of that uh as well so i don't want to like over specify kind of what i want uh uh, because you know gotta stay flexible on what my future wife wants (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) well nick thank you so much for coming to chat thanks for having me all right that was a really fun conversation we started this episode talking about weddings and now we're ending the episode talking about weddings i feel like that might say something about the important nature of gatherings but you know who knows You can check out Nick's book, The Two-Hour Cocktail Party, on the book website at party.pro, where you can also find lots of other free resources on how to host great parties. You can learn more about Nick at his website at nickgray.net, along with links to his social media in the show notes. Special shout out goes to Maxi Freeney for editing the show. Thank you for all of your hard work. I really love getting feedback from you, so tell me about what you enjoyed, any constructive comments you might have, go to billmay.net, that's B-I-L-L-M-E-I dot net, and send me an email. I read every single message. Finally, if you leave a review on iTunes, I will do a special shout out to you. According to my stats, only 1% of listeners end up leaving a review. So if you haven't left a review yet, you can open up iTunes and submit one, and you'll be one of the special people who I will give a shout out to in the next episode. This is also super important to help other people find the show. Subscribe to the show at friendshipfuturism.com. You can also subscribe to the email list there to get access to events, curated writing, and to join the community. All right, looking forward to your reviews and comments. See you next time.